You are listening to the Sermons Podcast of First Baptist Church, Mount Washington. Well, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13 this morning. A couple of weeks ago, we began a new sermon series on the parables called Kingdom Parables. Uh, The kingdom, as we talked about last week, was really the central message of Jesus' teaching throughout the Gospels. Jesus spoke of the kingdom more than any other subject. Uh, The Sermon on the Mount, chapters uh, 5 through 7, was about life in the kingdom, the values of those who were a part of the kingdom, His miracles. Uh, intended to prove that the kingdom of God was at hand, that people should repent and submit to the king. Even when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he taught them to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. On the night before his death, he assured his disciples and during the Lord's Supper that He would yet share with them the happiness and fellowship of the kingdom one day. And then he promised to appear again on the earth in glory to bring the blessedness of the kingdom to to those for whom it was prepared. And so throughout Jesus' ministry, he is talking about the kingdom. And these parables give us kind of a peek into that when Jesus says things like the kingdom of heaven is like or the kingdom of God may be compared to. Uh, He is teaching us about the kingdom. So I want us to look at three parables today. They're all interconnected together. First uh, is the parable of the weeds, and then the parable of the leaven, or excuse me, the mustard seed, and then the parable of the leaven. We read about it in Matthew 13, beginning in verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn." He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nest in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables, and indeed he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden 
since the foundation of the world. Let's pray together. Father, please open our eyes to see, our ears to hear. Uh, do, do in us, Lord, as Mark prayed, the transformation that you desire in our hearts and lives through your word today. And I pray that you would use me as your servant. I pray that you would increase and I would decrease and your word would go forth. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. These are, I think, really wonderful words for us as uh, believers in Christ uh, because sometimes we look around today in the world and we wonder what in the world is going on and what kind of world are we living in and what's this world coming to. But the truth is, this world is coming to an end. But if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you have absolutely nothing to fear. You are His, and you are a part of the kingdom of God. It will be a grand and glorious conclusion for those in Christ, but a terrible judgment for those who are not. Graham Goldsworthy defines the kingdom like this. God's people in God's place under God's rule. I think it's a great definition. God's people, the kingdom of God, is God's people in God's place under God's rule. It's the reign of God. It's the power of God that is working and that is spreading to bring about the redemption of God's people so that they will be in God's place and under His rule. It is something that is happening right now. It is something that is present, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. And yet, at the same time, it is not fully here yet. This, this progression of the kingdom of God it was something that the disciples had difficulty understanding. They correctly, I think, understood the kingdom of God to be God's people under uh, in God's place under God's rule, but they believed that the kingdom of God would come uh, in an instant when the Messiah came. So when the Messiah arrived, they thought that he would immediately set up his kingdom on the earth. Uh, and when he established his kingdom immediately, then all the unbelievers would be judged and holiness would fill the earth and righteousness would fill the earth. And here's a great illustration, I think, of, of how they, they looked at this. In, in Luke chapter 9, there's a, an interesting story where Jesus' and his disciples are out, and they, they go and visit a Samaritan village. And Luke tells us that the Samaritan people there rejected Jesus. And the disciples say, chapter 9 of Luke, verse 54, when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? How's that a strategy for dealing with your lost friends and neighbors? Oh, so you don't want Jesus. Well, <laughs> and of course, Jesus rebukes him. And, and I, I wonder if the disciples were thinking somewhat similarly here in Matthew chapter 12, when, as we talked about last week, the Pharisees, after seeing all of Jesus' teaching and His miracles, they concluded and they said, Jesus must be from hell. Should we just go ahead and call down fire on Him now? 
And Jesus explains by way of parable that this is not the way his kingdom works. So he tells them another parable. He compares the kingdom of God, he says, with a farmer who goes out and he sows good seed in his field. And sometime during the night when everybody's sleeping, uh, the farmer's enemy comes in and he sows weeds among the wheat. Uh, this was, uh, you might call, bioterrorism <laughs> in the first century. You say, do they do that very often? Apparently they did it quite often because the, the Romans had a law against it. Um, this is kind of a mean thing to do and a really great way to ruin your neighbor's field, just over-sow it with weeds. That's exactly what this enemy did. So it must have been a discouraging thing for the farmer and his servants to wake up a couple weeks later or so and, uh, you know, the, the garden is full of weeds. Now, not just a few weeds, but the garden was full of weeds. It would have been shocking. The disciples even named this parable the parable of the weeds. Look down in verse 36. They came to Jesus and they said, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Jesus answers in verse 37. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sold them is the devil. So Jesus says that in this parable, the wheat represents God's people. Believers in Christ, the good soil, right? Those who are receiving the word and they're bearing fruit. And the weeds represent unbelievers. And here's the point Jesus was making. In the kingdom of God, he says, both will be present for a season. Unbelievers and believers together in the kingdom of God. In fact, the, the weeds may appear at times, he says, to have the, the upper hand but there would be the presence of both. I think Jesus is telling his disciples and us here this so that we would not be dismayed about the presence of weeds in our world today. That's hard sometimes, isn't it? Do you ever get disheartened about what's going on in the world? You wake up in the morning, you read the news, you realize that there has been an enemy who has been sowing weeds all night long. And you, you read stories of all kinds of things happening. Racial division and riots. Moms murdering their, their children. Dads abandoning their families. Children being trafficked by terrible people for terrible things. Corrupt politicians. I mean, the world is full of weeds. And many times, the weeds are in positions of power and influence, so much that we might even be tempted to think in our minds, you know, the kingdom of God has no chance. Or, or if, we, if we thought maybe it had a little chance, it sure appears like it's on the ropes, that this is not going to end well. It's going to it's going down. And, and the temptation is to be dismayed by these things, or worse even, maybe to try to take matters into our own hands. The, the disciples 
We're ready at times to get in the garden of the world and start pulling up weeds, right? Should we call down fire on them now? Let's overthrow the Roman government. Let's bring the kingdom in by force. This is what the farmer's servants thought. Verse 28, the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? In other words, the weeds. But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Jesus says, that's not your job. We're not the judges and executioners of the world. We, we don't have the wisdom that God has. We would damage the wheat if we tried to pull up the weeds. No, Jesus teaches us that in God's plan, this is how the kingdom of God will come into the world. It will come into the world in the presence of overwhelming weeds. And our job is not to be pulling up the weeds, but rather our job is to be the wheat. Where God has planted us. So I wonder how the disciples must have been feeling here at this point in the Gospels. Here they are. There's only 12 of them. And they're all over the place, these weeds. Every town they go into, there's overwhelming weeds. How will the wheat ever survive among the weeds? The weeds that are so pervasive and so powerful and so dominating. How will this kingdom ever come about, Jesus? The Lord gives them two more parables. I think that we're meant to instruct again and encourage. First of all, or secondly, I should say, don't be discouraged about small beginnings. I think that's the point of... His next parable, verse 31. He put another parable before them, saying that the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants. It becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nest in its branches. Again, this would have been something very common in that time for them to have understood a farmer sowing mustard seeds for the oil that would be produced uh, from that tree and medicines and food. And, and the mustard seed was the smallest garden seed that the farmer had in his arsenal, and yet it would grow into a, a, a kind of a bush, sometimes five, six, sometimes even ten foot tall. So that the, the birds could come and make nests in it. What's Jesus' point in, in saying this? I think he's reminding the, the disciples that the kingdom of God starts small. Don't be dismayed by the presence of weeds. And don't be discouraged that the kingdom starts small. Think about how encouraging this must have been to this little group of disciples. So smothered by oppression and rejection all the time, blasphemy. And perhaps they were, they were saying, you know, there's just a little few of us compared to all of these in the world. And Jesus says to them, oh, it's okay, that's the plan. The kingdom of God is going to start from something very small. Don't be discouraged. Even the metaphor of a seed is so weak, isn't it? When we talk about a kingdom coming in, it's not a hammer. 
The kingdom of God, it does not come like a hammer. It does not come like a fire, a hammer that crushes its opposition or a fire that blasts the the, the opposition. The seed, rather, it starts very small and it and it grows even in the presence of these weeds. And it ends up comparatively very large from what it came from. Christians, do, do you realize that the Bible says the kingdom of God will eventually stretch from sea to sea and from coast to coast all over the world? Revelation eleven fifteen, when the final trumpet blows, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever with people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. Isn't that glorious? Amen? A little seed. But it doesn't start out that way. In fact, and it doesn't always look that way, does it? I don't know about you, but sometimes I get discouraged. I, sometimes it feels like that no matter how hard that I preach or how faithful that I live, that there is, seems to be little response out there. Do you ever feel that way? Little response. Faithful gospel preaching, faithful Christian living are not very popular. And it doesn't always grow crowds. In fact, it tends to repel people, doesn't it? And, and more and more it repels as the day grows darker and darker. It just doesn't seem to be happening sometimes. You look around, you think, that's just so discouraged. It doesn't seem to be happening. It doesn't seem to be happening fast. And sometimes it doesn't seem to be happening at all. How refreshing Jesus' words here that as a principle, it's going to start small but it's going to end in glory. Amen? That's what he says. The kingdom of God is going to stretch across the face of the earth and onto and into eternity forever and ever, and we're going to be a part of that kingdom of God in spite of the opposition, in spite of three bad soils that we talked about in that one parable, in spite of the presence of overwhelming weeds where everything looks bleak, God's kingdom will come. The kingdom is going to grow and grow and grow and grow. I wonder again about the disciples here who are hearing this and thinking to themselves, okay, we know that you're the king Jesus and we hear all about this kingdom, but but where is your kingdom? Where is it at, Jesus? How's this going to happen? They're looking for outward displays. They're looking for things that are measurable. They've just gone through horrible rejection. In chapter 12, where Jesus has been blasphemed and called uh, satanic. So the Lord, again, tells them in His grace another parable about His reign, about how it's going to be. Verse 33, He told them another parable. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. You think about leaven here, such a small amount of leaven that is added to this, what is amounts of a large amount of dough, and that leaven spreads rapidly throughout that dough. 
The leaven influences the dough, doesn't it? It, it, uh, it changes the dough. It's powerful in its effect. And yet, if you were sitting there and watching this trans- take place, you would not see that anything is taking place. You would be wondering, I wonder if anything's happening at all. You don't actually see it happening. It's kind of secretly, it's mysterious that it happens on the surface, and yet it has a powerful effect in the end, doesn't it? What a great picture. Many times in the Bible, leaven is pictured negatively, um, like sin spreading through one's life. We know that picture, right? And, but here it's used in a positive way. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. And I think he's talking about the power of God's kingdom and the way that this spread is going to happen, the spread of the gospel, the spread of the reign of God. It's going to happen by the power of the Holy Spirit working in the lives of his people, which is oftentimes not seen right away. His power by the Holy Spirit working through God's people, the church, like leaven, in dough. Think about the fact that you have been planted by God as wheat in a field full of weeds. You've been planted in the world by your heavenly Father, wherever you're at. This is a picture, by the way, not of the world in the church. That's not what these parables are about, though certainly uh, there are both wheat and tares in the church. This church, this is about the church in the world. We've been planted by God in the world. We're like leaven in the world. And what is he saying? God's kingdom does not come immediately. It's not instant transformation. It's not instant impact. But it is happening. The leaven uh, uh, of the Spirit of God working through you. You may be planted in a job, a school, a family that is surrounded by overwhelming weeds. You may be the lone wheat that is there. You may be the smallest amount of leaven in a big, in a big bowl of dole. Remember that you have been planted there by God, not to uproot the weeds, but to influence them like leaven influencing that dough. You've been planted there to show them Christ. To to bear fruit and such so that it shows them Jesus and to tell them about Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel. So don't be discouraged about small beginnings. Don't be discouraged about slow goings because these things take time. Just be faithful where God has planted you. Be faithful, church. Be faithful. This is a good word for us as a church because I think there's a real temptation here as Christians to think, you know, these things aren't happening fast enough. And you know, sometimes we got to get in there and help God out. I mean, it sounds like a great idea. We, we need to help God out. And this leaven business, this is too slow. I'm looking, I don't see things. This is hard to measure the pro- progress. There's nothing measurable here. Maybe we need to do some different things. Maybe we need to adopt some practices of the secular world into the church. Maybe we need to look at how business thrive, and let's bring those principles in to the church, and that way they'll help us to, to, to thrive. Or maybe we need to utilize what, what the world gets excited about and bring that into the church, and so maybe the world will come into the church. 
And it's very tempting to think that way. Remember, the enemy in this parable is the one who is sowing weeds among the wheat. It is the enemy who wants to blur the line between the wheat and the weeds. So, though we shouldn't be dismayed with the presence of weeds in the world, and we shouldn't be discouraged with small beginnings, we should also not be doubtful about the coming harvest. This is the most important part. Verse 30, Jesus says, Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. And to make sure that we understand this, look down in verse 39, Jesus' explanation. What is the harvest? The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun. In the kingdom of their Father, he who has ears, let him hear. Jesus says, though the weeds and the wheat are currently present together, I want you to make no mistake about it that there is coming a separation. There is coming a judgment. When the Lord will send his angels To the harvest field. He's talking about at the end when life on the earth as we know it will end. The kingdom of God that has long been advancing though slowly, like though mysteriously, like leaven, like a mustard seed with a small beginning. Though it has been progressing and advancing, it is at hand, but it is not here yet. One day it will be here. There will be a great harvest, a, a consummation, if you will. One day it will come to an end. The Lord will send His angels to the harvest field. You read about this end all over the Bible. You read it over and over. God's going to come in glory with His angels. Jesus said His angels are going to be His reapers. First, they will gather the weeds, those, that is, those who have rejected Christ. Those who have caused sin, he says. Those who are lawbreakers, God's lawbreaker, breaking God's laws. Those who do evil, those who have refused Christ. Make no mistake, those who have pretended to be in Christ. And his angels will come and throw them into the fires of hell where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is not a parable. This is an explanation of the parable. This is from Jesus. 
Notice it, that hell is a place, a place apparently of fire and torment, of weeping and gnashing of teeth, a place of permanence where you don't die, where there's this ongoing judgment. And so if you are listening to this today and you know that, that you are a weed, that you're lost, that you're pretending. Hear, hear this warning and, and hear this invitation to you. If you are hearing this and hearing His voice, the voice of your heavenly Father today, turn from your sin and yourself and trust in Jesus. Trust in what He did for you on the cross and through the resurrection. This is, this is the only hope for anyone in the judgment. Jesus. Because we're told the same angels who gather the weeds and throw them into the fire are the same ones that gather the wheat and they bring them into the barn, those God's barn, those who have believed the gospel, who are responding to it with repentance and obedience. Verse 43 says, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Isn't that a beautiful picture, church? That's a picture of the glorification, right? We've been saved, justification, we're being saved right now as we're growing in holiness, but then one day we will be saved. This is the consummation, the glorification where He will make us perfect and holy and blameless and He will take us to be with Him forever and that, into that place where there's no more crying and no more death and no more pain and we, where we will share the reward of Christ for all eternity. Don't be dismayed by the presence of weeds. This is how God has planned it. Don't be discouraged about small beginnings when you can't see it, when you don't think things are happening, when all looks lost. Be faithful. Be faithful to bear fruit to the very end. Because then there is a reward. What an encouraging word. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these parables, Lord, how instructive they are and helpful and encouraging to us in the particular place and time in which we live. Lord, we do pray that you would help us to be faithful, to be fruitful, to represent you here in righteousness and love and kindness, and not just that, but to open our mouths and warn people and tell them about the good news of Jesus, which leads to salvation. Lord, help us to be faithful in these things, even in times when it's difficult. We thank you for the encouragement of these. We pray for our friends and family, some even who may be here today or who are listening to this, who do not know you. Lord, you know our hearts and desires is for them to come to Christ. Lord, we know that that is something only you can do in them. 
Oh, Lord, please help them to receive you, your son, into their lives, that they would be saved. And if anyone is here listening today, and they're hearing you and your word, this gospel invitation, may they turn from their sins and put their faith in Jesus today and be saved. We pray this for your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen. Now before Mark leads us this morning, I want to issue to you an invitation. You're thinking about following Christ today. I want to invite you to do something. This is an invitation time. I want to invite you to come forward during this song. And at least come forward, allow me to pray with you and begin that conversation. Or maybe today you'd say, you know, I'm not ready to do that. But I am ready to talk to someone. There should be a welcome uh, card in front of your pew. There's a place there you can check. Hey, I'd like to talk to a minister about this. You put your name and contact information. And one of our staff members would love to talk to you about following Jesus, about joining the church, what church membership uh, means and is. And uh, so I encourage you to respond in that way today. Uh, I hope that you'll pray about it. If you've already... Uh, You've been coming for a while, you've heard the gospel, you know Jesus Christ, but you've never joined the church in membership. Maybe you've already talked to a minister, you've already attended uh, one of our Discover uh, classes. I want to invite you to come forward. What's holding you back today? Make that commitment today and join the church here. Uh, I would encourage you as we sing together to do that. Let's stand. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I'm Pastor Jason Clark. And if you don't have a church home, I want to personally invite you to First Baptist Mount Washington. We're striving to be word-centered, gospel-focused, and community-minded. Learn more about our church and our meeting times from our website, fbcmw.org.